something I always say and sometimes fail to do. Um, but I am going to be briefer this morning because there was a, a dedication. And um, I, wanted, I told Bree we wanted to give her the, give Roman Nathan the, the, the limelight today, uh, as we should. Um, but I do have something I want to talk to you about briefly. Um, for those of you who don't know, we've been praying as a community from Monday through Friday, 11.30 for 15 minutes. We pray on Zoom and we pray before the service. How many of you have, have been on one of those prayer times? Raise your hand. I think mo- most, most of the people in the room. And I want to I talk about this question and it'll be, it'll be applicable um, for those who aren't a part of ClearPath as well. But I want to talk about this question, why do we pray as a community? Like, why do we do this? So, but before I do that, I have to tell you a little story. Um, I decided... Um, Toby asked me to play on a basketball team, and um, anyways, I was like, yes, going to be exciting, play on a basketball team, and for me, basketball is a special, how many of you played sports growing up? How many of you had one sport you really loved? So basketball was that one sport I really loved, and I probably put in more hours in basketball than, you know, I, like, even as a little kid, I would go out and shoot for an hour, you know, I would, I would practice even when there wasn't other people around for me to practice. My parents can confirm this. And, um, and so there was a little while there. First of all, I love the sport. Um, but, you know, I'm, you know, a six-foot white guy, so there's little obstacles there and going to another, le- another level on that. But um, there was a little while there where I thought, okay, I'm, I might be able to play some small college basketball, and, and I, I really loved the sport and enjoyed it. And so this thing happens, like, as I've gotten older, like, I've enjoyed doing sports and physical activities still, just because I grew up that way. But, like, this thing happens with the sport, like, that you really love, that, like, when you, you don't play it for a few years, and then, like, in your mind, you're about to go buy somebody, but it doesn't happen whenever you physically, like, attempt to do whatever it is. Like, you're like, whoa, like, this is... So, so it's like, I would try to learn new things, because my perception was, I'll never be as good at this as I, as I once was. So it's always just annoying me. And so, um, you know, anyway, I kind of like set it on the shelf for the last 15 years. And occasionally would play, but, but I decided I was going to, okay, I'm going to play basketball. And then I'm like, all right, if I'm going to play, I'm going to play. I'm going to go to the gym three or four days a week. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to start running. I'm going to get myself in shape. I even started doing plyos. And like going, like I'm gonna improve my vertical leap and my. I was like in the gym, like doing like agility drills and doing ladder drills. And so, anyway, Toby's told me about this league, and it's you know they they do they win about half the games. It's a pretty competitive league, but so we show up on the first game this last week, and I'm like you know in here getting getting the warm up on and and um, this team you know that we're playing in is called the Young Guns. Like the young guns, this might not be good. And so, sure enough, this team comes out, and we find out that they were an AAU team, which is a select basketball that played together for multiple years. And so we're like, "Oh, that's not good." And then we find out actually they were a former AAU team. They all, most of them, play college basketball now, and they're using this as their tune-up game, this tune-up league for going back to school with their coach. So we show up to the rec league, and I'm like, the co- there's, there's a coach. They have full uniforms. 
And I'm like, this is about to be bad. <laughs> they, asked, they asked somebody on our team, how many of you can dunk? And um, we were like, uh, one, you know? And so, anyway, sure enough, um, we got our butts kicked like probably in all my years of playing any competitive sport the most the strongest butt kicking I've ever gotten <laughs> and we we did honestly better than we should have done and um, but here's the thing is the the funny the funny thing is is like for me like I have to be in ridiculous shape to play basketball because the way that I'm wired is I don't take plays off until I have to take plays off. Like, so if I'm going to run down, if I'm going to defend, I'm going to sprint down the court as fast as I can, and I'm going to play everything. And so the, the, pr the problem for me is after five plays of playing that way, I'm just gassed. And so we were... We we're playing these guys, and they're running a full court press. They're running half court traps. They're running a full offense. They're running a full fast break. They're dunking in transition, and you know, the, as as good as they were, the the interesting thing was there wasn't really a player on the team who was amazing. There was, I mean, there were good players, but there wasn't. Would, would you agree with me, guys? There wasn't, there wasn't like a unbelievable player that if they were in the gym by themselves, I would be like, oh man, like this guy's here, you know, they, they just were a great unit. And it reminded me, it reminded me of how powerful it is when a team has an actual system to play and they play as a unit. Like you, you can watch this in sports, but like one dominant player is irrelevant in the face of a really well-coached team, you know, and not that we had a dominant player. I'm just saying, if even if we did, we would not have done well because when you have a team that works together, they're just more effective than a single dominant player. And the Mavericks learned this very, very hardly this, this, in this playoff series, but um, I think that our life in prayer is like this. Our life in God and our life in prayer is like this. And so throughout the Bible and throughout Christian history, what we find is we don't just find praying people, we find praying communities. We have praying communities. And see, for better or for worse, I try to say this occasionally often because do you guys know that you have cultural lenses you have lenses that you look through in your culture. And Ryan could tell you all about this as a person who lived seven years in another country. But you have lenses that you, that you look through when you live in your culture. And for better, for better and for worse, we live in a time and a culture that has an emphasis on human individuality and human individualism. And that's, there are benefits to that, right? And there are negatives to that. And what, what it means is that we emphasize, we emphasize and the exploits and the accomplishments of individuals. What, like an individual who can do something um, heroic. Um, but I'm reminded of what God told 
Israel in Jeremiah 30 as he echoes his promise to them as they came out of Egypt in Exodus. He says, you will be my people and I will be your God. Notice that his promise is, Moses, you're going to be my guy. You're going to be my man. He made something like that with Moses. But there was also an inclusive promise, a, a word of promise over the whole nation, over the people. And so God has not merely called us to be people or for God, he, or persons for God. He's called us to be a people of God. A community of Him. God's desire for a people, for a nation whose heart is truly His has never changed. That's never changed. Um, in my lifetime, as it relates to prayer, there's been a great, great emphasis on the prayer that is done in secret. Um, this emphasis comes from Jesus' instruction on prayer. And Matthew, I'm going to move this out of the way. This, this emphasis comes from Jesus' instruction on prayer in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, 5-8, through 8, He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so, there's this emphasis on the prayer that's done in secret, but the emphasis is in contrast to people who are looking for attention, who are babbling, who are just, they're just praying to be seen, right? And so while God does emphasize the prayer in secret, there's countless, countless emphasis in the, in the New Testament over the prayer, in the Old Testament, over the prayer that's done in community. And l- literally the very next verse gives the Lord's Prayer, which starts with the phrase what? Our Father, not my Father. Our Father. And so I would argue to you that in Scripture we see at very least equal and likely a greater emphasis on praying communities than praying individuals. When Jesus is praying in the garden and He's suffering before His death, what is He looking for? He's looking for His disciples to linger with Him in prayer. So that they can share his suffering. At Pentecost, do we see the picture of one person in their prayer closet? No, we see a picture of what, what, what Acts says when they were all in one place, the Holy Spirit came. You see, God never intended for us to be praying individuals, He intended for us to be a praying community. He intended us to be a people who pray together, who know the, the, the things that we're praying for, who hear the things that we're praying for, who seek God together. Prayer is the great vehicle for His presence to be fostered and nurtured in our hearts together. When we pray together, there is something that happens exponentially in our shared experience where His presence comes and rests. I want to mention to you a few things that that I've observed when 
we pray continually when, when we've prayed continually together over the last year. For those of you who don't know, I, I've shared this a few times. We, we came together a couple years ago. We, pull, we pulled together a group of people to brainstorm through, pray through what it would look like. Um, how, like how do we um, foster an environment of prayer that will sustain? And so I asked everybody the question. I was like, when you've been a part of prayer communally, when, um, when did you come? What made you, you know, get there? And what everybody said essentially was that what got them into prayer was something, there was something exciting happening. There was something moving. It was something, some, and so, and then I asked everybody, I was like, so what, what is it that stopped prayer in those communities that you're a part of? And they were like, well, it was no longer exciting. And so we came to the very counterintuitive revelation that in order for you to sustain prayer, it can't be based on excitement. Like, as much as my Pentecostal charismatic self wants to say it's all about the shouting, history has proven that sustained movements of prayer have been more about faithfulness than excitement. And so we thought, okay, well, we can't, if excitement can't be what gets people into prayer, it has to be faithfulness. And so I want to share with you a few things that we have learned. We decided um, this last year to start the Zoom prayer, and it's been by far, I mean, it's not like you show on every time and it feels like, you know, heaven is being rended and Jesus is descending from, you know, like, but it has been by far the thing that I've done in a church that has been the most sustaining, like, just steadfast movement of prayer. And I want to I comment on a few things that are, that are in Scripture that I've seen in this praying together. First of all, is that I have seen people begin to share in suffering. Share in suffering. We have this time of the prayer at the very end where we pray over needs. And what you see is at the beginning, it's like going through the list of prayer. And what I've seen over time is that somebody is praying for somebody else's suffering, and they look for ways to respond to that. They carry that. They go talk to them. They call them. Like It's like leaving just the little, I'm praying through the list, and they begin to actually share in the suffering. There's something about a sustaining, faithful dedication to pray as a community that allows us to see the suffering that we're entering into, and to share it, and to bear it together. And I've seen it happen. Many people um, in this room or on the Zoom or people even outside this community have had sickness of difficulty that this community has prayed in, many of them day in, day out for months and months. There's a sharing. And Philippians 3.10 tells us that in order to know Christ, we must share in the fellowship, or we, must, we must come into the participation of His sufferings. You realize that oftentimes the suffering of Christ is actually the suffering of His people. Very oftentimes the way that we're called to share in His suffering is to actually share in the suffering of His people. What did Jesus do? Jesus, He came, not He didn't stay in His cushy place to bring His salvation. He came in the midst of the suffering to share in the sufferings of people 
And from that place, be a Savior. And, and so we, we, we aren't called as those who pray, who be like, oh, well, Lord bless them, you know, the old southern, you know. Lord bless them. We're called to actually enter into the fellowship of His sufferings and the fellowship of the sufferings of His people. And I've seen that happen. The second thing I've seen is that we have begun to share in praise and, and celebration. We share in praise and celebration. There's this, there's this part of 1 Corinthians 12 where it says that, um, that as, as people are suffering, the body should suffer. And as people are honored, that we should rejoice with them. And so I love, like occasionally I log into to this prayer call. I, for me, I'm talking about a specific thing we're doing, but this is broader application. Sometimes I log in and I hear somebody like, hey, I just need to share a praise report on something we've been praying for for two months. And for a moment, I get to stop and be reminded that God actually works through prayer. And God actually cares about His people. And what happens when you're not praying in community is you, don't, you go years without hearing those testimonies. You hear one testimony and you're like, oh my goodness! Because you haven't heard about it for so long. And yet when you pray continually, when you pray continually in community, you're constantly exposed to the tiny workings of God that are miraculous. Amen? And so it's important for us to not just be those who pray in secret, but be those who pray actively in community because it's in that place that we get to see the testimony, the working of God through prayer. And the third thing that I've noticed, and I'll wrap here at this, is that we have began, we began to share in the, in the insight and revelation of what God might be speaking to us. Prayer... For me, I don't know if it's like this for you, is oftentimes not just er, words uttered, but it's a listening ear. It's a listening ear. If, if our charity, if charity is the hands and feet of God, I like to think of prayer as the ear. Somehow I think in prayer, it's more important that we catch His voice then He hears the words we have to say. Sometimes I've noticed in prayer that our, that our ear is not just like the Holy Spirit speaking something to us. Sometimes I've noticed in prayer that when somebody prays something that they're going through, I hear them. And I see them. And I understand God's heart for them. There hasn't been anything that I have seen that has more effectively connected me personally to the needs of our body than prayer. It's not just an ear to heaven, it's an ear to earth, to what's going on around here. I love this picture of prayer. When Jesus looks out at those that were hungry, and he's going to he was going to multiply the bread. It says he looked upon them um, like sheep without a shepherd. And as he came, he um, he he broke the bread, and he looked to heaven and and gave thanks to God. And so there's two 
things that Jesus sees. He sees the need of the people and He sees the provision of His Father. In prayer, we have the ability to hear and to see the need of His people and the provision of our Father. You see, it's not just God's path of formation in us for ourselves. It's that God is forming a body. He's forming a people. His heart has always been for a people. When we look at Ephesians 4, the final result of maturity is not really awesome individuals. The final result of maturity is a body that grows up into the head, which is Christ, and reflects His image as a unit. I want to remind you of what Ephesians 2, 21-22 says. It says, in Him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, too, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. The dwelling is not just you. The dwelling is us. We are being built together to be a dwelling. Romans 12.12 says that for us to be faithful in hope, patient in affliction, and what? Faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. How many of you are getting the patient in affliction part down? We need this, this whole sandwich there, not just the patient in affliction. So I want to, I just decided... Um, I didn't really have a good way to finish this, and so I just decided, do you have that prayer? Um, I just decided I would have you guys stand with me, and we're going to finish with one of the prayers that we pray um, continually. Uh, I'm going to have you pray. Sometimes we have responsive readings. I want to have you pray this out loud. This is something that we pray when we, when we do this time of prayer um, in the midweek, we pray this continually because so there's different elements of prayer. There, there is there's listening in prayer, um, there's interceding, but sometimes one of the most important things is con- is confession. And when we think about confession, a lot of times we think about sin. But when I think about confession, I think about confessing before community and God what I know to be true about Him, so that my heart is reminded of who He is. And so, this is a, what we call our confession. And I uh, want you to pray it with me. God, you are good. God, you are present. God, you are faithful. You will not leave us or forsake us. You are the healing and sustaining source of all life. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We put our soul at rest in the covering of your love. We trust you. Amen. If you can come, um, we'll bring the elements and come back to your seat. Um, The Lord's table is the Eucharist, um, which means Thanksgiving. Um, This is... is Representative, not just of the body 
of Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago. This is representative of the body of Jesus that's alive right now. And he, he was broken and his blood was poured out. And what has happened through the centuries is that at times his body is still broken. At times we are pressed down. At times we are persecuted. I'm not putting that on this time frame. But at times we are, um, we go through struggle. And so we share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And when we take this, we can be reminded that we're not just connected to his body that he came in incarnation, but we're connected to this body. We're connected to his present body. And so I want to invite you just to to, um, lift the bread and the juice and to say thank you, first of all, for the body and blood of Jesus um, died on Calvary for us, but, but to, in gratitude for the body that is present and alive now. God, we say thank you um, for Jesus. We say thank you for your church. We ask you, God, that you would enable us in prayer and in charity to enter into the fellowship of your sufferings, God. To enter into your resurrection life, God. God, maybe we be those who are joyful and hope and patient and affliction and faithful in prayer. And Lord, we, we just ask you for your mercy, God. Bless this bread, bless, bless this juice as we receive your life and we remember your life and we proclaim your life. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Say thank you, Jesus. Before I hand it over to you, Alana, you were on the you were on the ready to go. Um, I I want to just make this as a little bit of a pitch um, for prayer. Um, we're still praying, eleven thirty daily, and a lot of times I'm working and I just turn the phone, you know, I just put it on there and set it on the desk while I'm sitting there working and, or whatever I'm doing. And I'm just, I'm inviting you. Um, if you have to like put an alarm in your phone, go at 1127, you know, do it. But I'm, I'm inviting you to participate with us in prayer. Um, if you can, because I think that there is a, it's not, um, just a side thing that we're doing. It's a very significant thing to the formation of his body. And so just want to invite you to be a part of that, if possible for you. If not, we understand. Um, But Alana has announcements. Thank you. Okay, prayer was one of my announcements. Thank you, Jordan. And daily prayer at 1130. And then uh, wayfinding groups. Um, Some people are on week three. If you started the first week or if you delayed a week, you're on week two. And you should get an email today with the new prompt for your wayfinding group. And then Imagine Me Weekend is coming up, June 25, 26, 27. This is our kids' camp. Um, It's going to be really fun. I have um, some kids that still need to be sponsored to go. It's $100, so I need a couple more kids sponsored if anyone feels the need to be generous. And if you'd like to be generous with your time, we need some volunteers. Um, On Friday night, we're having a... (laughs) 
On Friday night, we're having a tailgate party in the back parking lot. Our theme this year is Team Jesus. It's going to be really fun. So after our service, I need people to help make hot dogs and nachos or set up your truck with a fun game or help get all the food together. So um, I'll be out here after church with a list, and you can sign up um, on... Yes, I have you down for whatever doesn't get filled. Okay. I, uh, on Saturday morning, we meet at Christie's, and we need some uh, devotion leaders. Um, it's not going to be something that I really write for you. I'm going to give you the theme and a scripture, and then you can just, you know, share your own heart. I'm not going to tell you what to say. So I need some people to lead uh, devotions on Saturday morning, and then I think that's it. Uh, a couple of places for people to help gather food and set up food um, different times. So those are the slots I still have open. So if you want to help, I'll be out here after service. Oh. I don't know if you said this, but um, also we just want y'all to cover them in prayer that weekend. Did you say that? Did I miss it? So cover them in prayer. If you can't be there physically, cover them in prayer. Text Alana that weekend to let her know that you are holding her arms up, guys. This is a long weekend, all right? But this is also a weekend that's going to be full of power for your kids and for these next places coming up, right? So we covet that. Cover her. All right. This is normally a Susanna's moment of the service, but she's out of town today. So Mr. Dave, come up with me. Yeah. Y'all give a hand to this guy and that guy on the screen. <laughs> Rumor has it that they are the same human. Um Anyway, Dave. Well, you had to get your you had to get like your your suburban clients and now you're getting your motorcycle clients. I dig it. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your business, kind of when you got started, what you do, and uh, yeah. I was hoping my marketing director would come help me. Yeah. Marketing marketer. Now, we're, uh, so come hither. Foursquare uh, Insurance is a company we um, bought into a couple years ago. We, I worked for them for a while and then bought it. Um, we protect everything that's important. So, yes, we do every all the things, homes, autos, businesses, life, you know, everything. Except for health insurance, because that is a mess. Um, so, I think, Susanna, uh, the thing that stuck out with me last week was, what do we need prayer for? We, we're, we're, we are in growth mode. And growth mode is... Uh, more difficult than I expected because you have to find the quality people, bring them in, and then they have to want to stay and they have to want to do all the things. So um, <laughs> more difficult than I expected, to be honest. Um, and we are basically a virtual office now. So um, we're trying to look for people in South Texas, Houston and Austin mainly. So... Um, We'll hire anywhere, but if you guys know anybody down there, or if you, you guys can just pray for us, um, give us wisdom to, to know who to select and who not to select, and all that kind of fun stuff. 
All right, awesome. Well, anyone who wants to come up and uh, pray over Dave and Alana with us, we're just going to pray that God blesses, blesses Foursquare in this family. Well, God, I just, um, I'm so thankful for these friends that you've given us. Um, I know that they've blessed so many of us, our lives, and um, with their generosity, but even mostly just their generosity of their life and their time and their attention. And so, God, I just pray that you would pour out on them just as they've poured out on their kids, on their friends, on their family, and that you would, uh, that you would just pour out abundance on them, God. I pray that there would be more than enough and that, this, that Foursquare Insurance um, would, would grow more than even they deserve, more than even they've earned, uh, but, God, that it would just be a supernatural favor and that you would bring in all the employees they need, that you would bring in all the resources that they need to expand um, and to be solid, not, not to just be in and out or always trying to cover a hole, but that they would just be solid, um, that you'd bring them leaders that they need. We just bless them, and we just pray you open the floodgates of heaven on their family. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to make a comment. Um, for those, this has been a few weeks we've prayed for business owners. It was something that Susanna really like highlighted and just as a just as a point of like we love people who are not business owners as well we just we felt like god really wanted us to highlight praying over these people and so we just appreciate you like like susanna came up with this list and she was like we have like 20 business owners in in the community which is like more than half of the people that are in this room right now but but um we just have been uh, really focused right this this season on praying over these people. So just when you're thinking about it, it's something we're praying over in Zoom, and and we're grateful for them. So, all right, I'm gonna come on, Dave. Come on, go on. Yeah, he thought he was gonna sneak away and get out of it. Dave's gonna lead us out in uh, in this final prayer. This is one from our uh, the morning section of our of our Clear Path journals, and so uh, just. Pray it with us as we close. All right, pray with me. Thank you, Father of lights, for whom all gifts flow. Your grace is sufficient. Your hope is sustaining. You are working miracles through me this day and every day. Thank you, God, for giving us the perfect gift of yourself. We choose to live in gratitude, above all, gratitude for you. Amen. You're dismissed. Bye.